So we're on lesson seven, and our key concept this week is um, establishing authority. So this is this is that lesson about putting the fear of God in our kids. Literally, it actually is. <laughs> it may not mean what you think it means at first, but it really is what this one's about. And so the, the concept that we're trying to remember throughout this lesson is that godly parents teach their children to view God as their lifelong authority. So we'll talk a little bit about discipline uh, in this lesson. Um, not a whole lot necessarily about the mechanics. There's, you know, there are a lot of things to consider when it comes to the mechanics of discipline. Um, but more the core of uh, the issue when it comes to discipline, the why behind discipline, and that will help us and inform us when it comes to the what of discipline. So remember that the, the, the core issue, there are two um, of the major objectives in our training for our children are uh, a disciplined life, so teaching our children how to live, but more importantly, underneath that, strong, godly character. So both of these begin with learning how to live under authority, and that's why this week's lesson is so important. Uh, the key is to remember that we have to um, focus mainly on the internal core, their heart. So we bring you back to that. Just about every week, whatever the subject is we're talking about, we keep accentuating that their heart is the key because we don't want to just uh, – uh, be successful at outward conformity because that will only last as long as they're under your uh, authority in your house and, and where you have the ability to control them. But we're trying to affect change in them that will last throughout their life. So our, our ultimate parental mission is to grow children up in the Lord so that they'll trust him and be committed to the mission that they were created for. So, teaching our children what it means to live under authority, ultimately God's authority is going to be vital to this work that we're talking about. Um, couple of, couple of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fine print for, for us at the outset. So we're talking about authority. We're talking, we're going to talk a little bit about discipline. It's important to note that at the, as we begin talking about this, that, uh, children are each different, and sometimes God entrusts us with children that have special needs, whether it's developmentally or physically, and they may require special care. So though all children are born with a sin nature, we, we, we know that's true about all of our kids, not all children are able to process information the same way um, or to function physically the same way. So uh, when it comes to children who... Uh, are on the autism spectrum, for example. Um, they don't neurologically process sensory stimuli in the same way as children who are not. So we have to take care um, to not overstimulate them. Uh, the, the sensation of touch feels differently to them. So spanking or physical correction is not really the appropriate way oftentimes to, to correct that child. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there at the beginning. Um, other special needs may preclude physical discipline. You know, we're not, we're not um, getting into, like I said, the mechanics so much of discipline, but the Bible does teach that um, parents who love their children discipline their children. Uh, but I don't want any parent who has a child with special needs to feel like, you know, there's a biblical mandate on, regardless of the circumstances, 
every instance of correction requires physical spanking. Um, uh, let's see. So as loving parents, we want to be watchful over our children, uh, attentive to our specific child's needs, and especially a child with special needs entrusted to our care. We want to make sure that we're taking care of them in a way that's appropriate. Um, but if you know your child is healthy and strong neurologically, developmentally, then we want to be ready to train them uh, and we want to be ready to exercise discipline when necessary. So first at the beginning here, this really could have been an extension, I think, of the introduction, but I, I want to take a few minutes to talk about three common mistakes. And I think I have a slide for that. Three common mistakes that we should avoid in child training. So we're going to talk about um, uh, some things that are important to do. And the first uh, common mistake that people sometimes make is starting too early. Um, did I skip a slide here? Yeah, starting too early. Uh, working on various issues with a child before they're developmentally ready. And the book gives an example of this, and it's probably an example I should have my wife speak to rather than myself um, because I was in, a, in the backseat on this particular item, but potty training. And uh, anybody who's gone through potty training, show of hands if you've gone through potty training with a child. <laughs> you guys who've done this, you know what I mean. Um, there, is, uh, there is an eagerness in parents when you are going through diapers like crazy and you're dealing with a child who's maturing and it's no longer cute little baby doodles in the diaper, but it's a big mess. Uh, it's easy to be very eager to try and get potty training out of the way. But if you've done this with a child, particularly if you have more than one child and you've done this with more than one child, you know that not every kid's ready for this at the same time. And you have to be uh, attentive and strategic trying to make sure that your child is ready for this. And there are signs they go through, uh, uh, Betsy goes through some examples of that in the book. And I don't want to get necessarily bogged down in one example of this. There are all kinds of things. I mean, there is the example of learning to drive. Um, there are all kinds of it. Now, those are the two bookends, <laughs> maybe. And there's all kinds of stuff in between those two extremes. But it's key to remember that you have to get to know your child. You have to um, be aware of what your child's ready for and move them along at a pace that's appropriate for them. And similar to this, related to this, uh, you could also start too late so that you have to then, back to the potty training illustration, you have to undo poor habits. You have to undo um, mistraining. And so you don't want to wait too late. And, um, you know, I think of the driving illustration with this one. <laughs> How many of you who have kids who learn to drive put that off as long as you could? Because especially by the third child with us, sometimes you're kind of afraid of the process. <laughs> So it could be easy to put that off. So it's really important that you go through the things that we're going to talk about with your child intentionally. And that's kind of right hand in hand with what Pastor Rich taught last week when he talked about having a game plan for your family and for your parenting. And then last thing uh, to remember is it's a common mistake to be inconsistent in your training. So whether it's potty training or working on kids with older kids with bedtime or getting homework done, keeping 
uh, child keeping his own or her own room, uh, whatever it is, inconsistency in training causes a child to not really be learning what you're trying to teach. And so consistency, and that's one of the hardest things, you know, as I talk to parents who are looking for help and want to know, you know, what are we doing that we could improve on my child struggling with this, that, or the other thing. And um, I mean, I just don't have to think very hard to think of our own experience in child rearing. It is incredibly difficult to be consistent because it is, seven days a week and uh, 24 hours a day, depending on what your occupation is and whether you use uh, daycare and that kind of thing. But if you uh, husband or dad and you mom are with your child uh, really working hard at raising them, it is very difficult to be consistent, but that's one of the most important things in training. So three common mistakes to avoid starting too early before they're ready, starting too late where you have to undo things in order to teach the right lessons and inconsistency, which gives a mixed message to the child. And I guess I could tag onto that third one there. Um, A lot of times a child will be hopeful that you'll be inconsistent. They will work, they will learn, they will become skilled at trying to get you to be inconsistent uh, because uh, that little folly bound up in the heart of a child doesn't want to submit and always do what they're supposed to. They're like us, they're sinners. And inconsistency uh, then is going to disable them from learning the things that we're trying to teach them through discipline. All right. So the the first the key focus of this uh, lesson is is authority, and I want to highlight uh, first of all that respect for authority is not automatic. I skipped one again. These controls on my little slide thing I'm using aren't the greatest. There we go. That's not it either. There we go. No, that's not it either. <laughs> All right. Take my word for it. Maybe I maybe I skipped a slide there. That's what it is. So the first one is respect for authority is not automatic. That's your Roman numeral two if you're filling in blanks there. Sorry about that, guys. So just like any area of child training, developing in a child an understanding of and respect for authority doesn't come naturally, not automatic. In other words, if we don't carefully work with them to train them to respect authority, starting with your authority as their parent, mom, or dad, it won't just happen as they grow up. You know, there are certain things that will just happen as they grow up. Um, As they get older, teeth are going to come in. And as they continue to grow and mature, some teeth are going to fall and other teeth are going to come. And these things just happen. Um, but respect for authority won't just happen. It's not a naturally developing thing. In fact, the opposite happens naturally because we're all sinners. It's not an inevitable characteristic of an adult that they'll respect authority. And uh, you don't have to look very far around our society to see that that's the case. It's not natural. Um, you can get older and still not learn to value respect for authority. In fact, we live in a society that says that if we just love our children enough and teach them to love ourselves, eventually everything's going to be okay. But there's a fatal flaw with that mindset, and and that is that it has a wrong view of human nature. We are born naturally to love ourselves first and foremost. So 
just loving our children and telling them to love themselves won't work everything out. Resistance to authority and selfishness are not corrected by the passage of time because they're a condition of our heart. And remember, that's the, that's the whole point behind us. We're trying to get to the heart of the issue. So this teaching children to respect authority, it's going to cause them to bump into a wall repeatedly because their little rebellious heart that they inherited from you is not going to like that. And every time they bump into that wall, it's an opportunity for us to remind them that we can be rescued from this enslavement to our sin that causes us to buck against authority. So selfish, defiant children are struggling to define their lives apart from God. Um, may not seem like that immediately. They won't. They may not be sophisticated enough to think of it that way. But when they are defiant toward parents or selfish and resist parental authority, they're resisting God's authority because he's the one who's vested authority in the parents. So defiant children are struggling to define life apart from God. And that's the very thing that they need to learn to do, to submit to and focus on God. And the earlier this all begins, the better. And that's just the opposite of the way our society tends to think. So a child may be innocent in sense of knowledge and experience, but they're not innocent in their capacity for sin. So any of you who already have children, before I had kids, you know, I had two sweet little babies and I, I don't know, it would, I had the seminary knowledge that said, yes, we're born as sinners. But, you know, I had, we had our first little baby. I don't know if Emma's on the call uh, tonight, but she was like the perfect little baby. She was so compliant. She was such a good little kid that um, I think I told you guys the, the story earlier that I really did wonder, man, I, this kid's supposed to have a sin nature, right? And it, it wasn't too long. Eventually she demonstrated it. Uh, I think it was approaching the age of two, <laughs> probably in little ways before that, that I overlooked because I was a doting father. But um Children are innocent in respect to knowledge and experience, but not their capacity for sin. So um, respect for authority is not going to be automatic. We have to intentionally work on this with our kids because respect for authority is vitally important. It's extremely important. And let's talk a little bit about that. Then this is where we're going to spend the bulk of the time, and then I have a couple of uh, final points after that. On the one hand, it's important to remember that we're all sinners and that God is our ultimate authority. So if you're really thinking about this, uh, particularly if you are young in this conversation and you're just entering into adulthood, some of our couples and attendees are young, um, you might be more receptive and, and it may resonate more with you when I say something like this. Yielding unquestioning allegiance to another human, another flawed human being, is often how horrible atrocities take their start. You follow what I'm saying? Yielding unquestioning obedience to another flawed human as your authority is often how really horrible things begin to take shape. And so we, it's not uncommon to hear in our day and age um, the mindset that it's really important we learn we teach people, teach our young people to be independent, to be, um, think for themselves and to not just fall in line. And, you know, we're Americans after all. We are self-made people and don't just toe the line. Um, and that, that is important that we recognize that we're all flawed sinners 
And so we do have a filter by which we, even when we're listening to authority, you know, Paul uh, praised the Bereans for going back to God's word and testing even everything that he said to them as one of the apostles. But this is a lesson that requires maturity and a firm foundation and understanding and trust in God's created order before you can properly implement that. This is not a lesson we need to be teaching to our two-year-olds. You know, you should be suspicious of authority. No, little kids don't need that lesson. They're already suspicious of authority by nature. And um, we need to be teaching them that God has placed them under authority. In fact, think about this. Autonomy is at the root of our first parent's sin. So Adam and Eve back in the garden, God spoke to them and told them why he made them and told them what he wanted them to do. And at the very heart of their first sin was the serpent came to them and said, I know God said this, but really, is that the best way? He tempted them to go out, think for themselves, to find a better way rather than submitting to God's authority. And in fact, that's at the root of all of our sins. God tells us the the purpose for which we are made, and he tells us in his word how he wants us to live. And our sin, even after we're believers, our sin is the constant struggle of us between trusting God and obeying what he says or preferring our own way and doing what we want. So the first lesson that a child needs to learn is that God's care for them, this is very important, write this down, God's care for them is regularly demonstrated in his providential arrangement of them under the authority that he's put in their life. God's care for and protection of us very frequently is given to us by the authority structures he places us in in our lives. And it's really important that children learn to submit then to the rightful authorities that God has placed in their lives, whether it's, in fact, that, that we, they know they do that even when it's flawed human beings over them. Because guess what, mom and dad? You are flawed human beings. You are sinners. And yet God has charged you to be the authority in their lives. Um, it's critical that they understand that when they submit to God-ordained authority over themselves, whether that's parents, government, employers, one day these young ladies will be wives and they'll have to submit to the authority of their husband in their life or whatever else it is. When they submit to God-ordained authority in their lives, they're submitting to God himself. And this is the, one of the key principles in God's word, Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If we want to know how to go about life, if we want to know how to live life, we need to begin with the fear of the Lord and uh, that is regularly demonstrated by all of us. I don't care how old you are. It's demonstrated by how you defer to and submit to the authorities that God's put in your life. So parents, government, employers, pastors, church leadership, husbands, we all have authority. And when we submit to them, we submit to God. By learning to submit to authority, I, I had in here, I'll, I'll just throw out here if you want to, I write down as well, Romans 13, 1 through 7. This is an example with government. I put verse 1 up there. Uh, but this is the concept, regardless of what authority, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And this is 
the same when uh, we talk about parents over children. Uh, you know, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is the first command with a promise that it will go well with you and you'll live long in the land. So uh, by learning to submit to God, um, the God-ordained authorities over themselves, our children are prepared to ultimately live lives that are submitted to God's authority as sovereign over them. Every arrogant and prideful thought that we lift up ultimately stems from us worshiping ourselves instead of God, lifting ourselves up in the place that only God deserves. And uh, he's the creator. We're the creature, and we have to remember that. Um, Romans one twenty five tells us, I don't have it up on the screen here, that uh, one of the one of the root problems of humanity is we have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is forever blessed. We're not thankful. We don't respect uh, and fear the Lord. Um, what delights God is a proper perspective of who he is, that we fear him, that we glorify him. And that's, that's what Psalm 147 tells us. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior, but the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. God's pleased when we trust him, when we respect him and have a healthy uh, fear of displeasing him. So God instructs us to not be arrogant in our thinking, but to, to fear him. Um One more verse, and I don't have a slide for this either, but if you want to jot down Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is also the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So, I mean, this is, this is a great passage that covers basically from creation to culmination, and everything in all of God's universe uh, is by Christ and for him. And this is the kind of mindset that we're trying to instill in our kids is that we are not our own. Um, as humans, we are not our own. We were created. And especially as believers, when our children come to trust Christ as their Savior, we are not our own. For the Bible tells us we were bought with a price. And so that's the mindset behind teaching our children the importance of respect for authority. And discipline, finally, under this this point, discipline teaches a child that when he sins against God and his parents or by this, uh, this, uh, sinning against his parents, justice must follow. Um, and stick with me on this one. You know, it might be tempting, mom or dad, to think that when we discipline our child that it's harsh and that it's actually more loving to let the error pass unpunished. After all, God forgives us, right? In fact, this is a conversation I've had, I had numerous times with my kids when they were little as they were thinking through this process. When we do this, we do our child a disservice because they may grow up not experiencing consequences 
and discipline or any type of accountability getting let off all of the time. And when this happens, they, they don't gain a sense of what it means to face consequences. You know, our goal is to teach them that, that Jesus died to save them from the consequences of their sin. If they live a life free of consequences, this, this concept's not going to be very meaningful to them. And so it's important that our kids understand that um, authority is in their life by God's uh, design and that when you rebel against authority, there are consequences for that. So when you've properly established authority in your child's life, um, our goal then is that they actually learn to value justice. They don't fear it. They value it. And they try to live in such a way that justice is a pleasant thing for them, not a thing to be feared. Uh, justice, the right outcome uh, of or the right consequences of doing what's right or the right outcome or consequence of whatever it is that takes place. Um, mercy is a very important thing I'll talk about in a minute here, but um, it's important that we teach our children to value justice as well. And that's, that's what discipline teaches children. If respect for authority and boundaries are not in place, they will expect mercy constantly. In other words, mercy is being released from the just consequences of your actions. And they'll expect mercy all the time, not justice. So if all we do is give mercy in our discipline of our children, then it's counterproductive before they understand submission to authority. So it's really important that we recognize that, especially in our young children, but in, in our child rearing in general, that um, submission to authority is a key concept that we want them to teach. And it starts to be more intensive for the younger they are. And then as they get older, we're moving them uh, toward um, you know, being out from under our parental authority, but they will always have some authority in their life. So this, this lesson also illustrates the condition of our hearts before we understand salvation. It's only when we realize that we have a moral debt that we can't pay to God that his, and that his mercy pays our debt and withholds the punishment that we have coming. Um, sorry, I said that wrong. It is only when we realize that we have a moral debt that we cannot pay that God in his mercy pays our debt and withholds the punishment that we have coming. Jesus bears a penalty in our place, but first we have to recognize that we owe that debt. And so that's what we're trying to teach our children through discipline. Um, so while discipline is difficult, and when I say discipline, let me fill in the blank here. I'm not just saying spanking. That's not the only way to discipline. And I'm not saying that a spanking must always follow any form or um any instance of dis disobedience. Uh, there are many ways to exercise discipline in the situation, the, um, your child and other factors come into play with what is the best method of discipline in any given situation. But what doesn't change is that disobedience to authority should always um, have the expectation of discipline, deserved, justified discipline. So uh, back to the main point here, respect for authority is important. Um, I think it's clear uh, through what I've said here, why it's important, and that the method that we teach children this is by having 
certain consequences, right? and by that I mean consequences that are certain, that follow disobedience. So the rule in your household is that mom and dad are the authority, God's placed them in charge, and because they take that seriously, when children disobey, there are all consequences. And uh, we'll talk more in other lessons about um, uh, how to flesh this out. Uh, we talked in a previous lesson that these kind of things should not be surprises to kids. We should be, we should communicate, communicate clearly to children what the expectations are. Uh, Pastor Rich talked about not having, you know, a 700 page rule book. It needs to be something that children at the stage they're at can comprehend that they can know and understand the expectations so that when discipline comes, it's not a surprise. Um, so we can we can talk more about that in the discussion time if you have specific questions about that, and that will come up again and again, I think, through these lessons. Uh, number four, fathers are responsible for ensuring that their children learn to respect authority. Um, now, this does not mean mothers don't take part in this. In fact, uh, in many ways, mothers are on the front lines of this. But as Pastor Rich talked about in a previous lesson, um, fathers are charged with the headship in the household. And so as as the head of the family, the father needs to be, so dads, you need to take very seriously that this is your responsibility. And so lead in the conversation with your wife in talking about how you will go about discipline and what, uh, what that looks like in your household. Um, the Bible describes what is required for men to be leaders in, in God's church and both for pastors and deacons. It talks about this concept of managing your own family well and seeing that your children obey you um, and do this in a, in a manner worthy of respect. Deacons the same way must be faithful to your wife and manage your children and your household well. So fathers, this is um, oftentimes I think mothers because they're on the front lines with children are the ones who are forced to think of this and forced to implement this. But guys, don't let your wives carry this alone. This is something you should be leading in. And your wife wants you to lead in this. She will welcome this. And um, you are a team. You'll, God has given you each characteristics built into your nature um, as a man and a woman. And in particular, in the couple that he's brought you together to be, that you will complement one another. So uh, fathers lead and make sure your wife and you work in this together. Um, and then remember your goal. This is the end in mind that we have through this process. Our goal is to prepare our children for lives that are independent from us. But see my play on words here, isn't this cute? But in dependence on the Lord. So you're moving your kids from the time they're born. Here they are. They have utter dependence on you down here bottom corner they can't go they 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 might be able to go to the bathroom without you but they can't change their diaper uh they can't eat they don't wake and sleep even very well on their own they're just a mess as a baby and they need you to do everything for them and then you travel on this path and the goal is to be traveling on this path forward and upward to the point where they become less dependent on you and more independent of you but in doing so they're not just becoming independent they're not just learning to go their own way they're learning to follow the lord without you standing over their shoulder and so our goal is to prepare our children to live lives that are independent from us 
by independence on the Lord. So keep in mind these three goals. And I thought these were helpful goals that they laid out in chapter seven of our, of our book um, in this lesson. Number one is that our children, in order to be independent of us and ready to follow the Lord in their lives on their own, they need to be able to demonstrate a commitment to biblical principles. So think of all the implications behind this. We're teaching them biblical principles like we talked about in previous lessons. We're making sure that being under God's word weekly as a part of the body of Christ is a, is a part of their life. It's a habit of their life so that they're learning these biblical principles. And not only are they learning what they are, they're demonstrating a commitment to living according to these biblical principles. This is the goal we're ushering them towards. So, so I say they're totally, utterly dependent down here. Up here in this top corner is demonstrates commitment to biblical principles. That's where we're driving them toward. So all these little decisions and milestones we have on this, this line, this graph going up this way are headed toward there. That's the end in mind. So we, we want to discover whether or not as they grow and mature at each level that they're at, at their, at their toddler stage, at, you know, that they're learning the biblical, you know, really simple biblical truths we're teaching them, that their school age, in high school, as they head into college, that at the level they're at, we're watching for them to demonstrate and we're encouraging them to know what God's word says and to be living with a commitment to those principles, remaining true to the things that God tells us, even in our absence. And that means as they go up this graph, that we're letting the reins go, that the further they progress up here, you know, down here, we're deciding everything for them. As they get here in the middle, we're, le we're letting them learn to make decisions. We're, we're letting them feel consequences when they make bad decisions within reason. You know, we're protecting them as they do it. We're a safety net. But the older they get, the less we can protect them. We're about to turn them loose up here. And so our goal is to, I mean, we're, Lord willing, we're always going to be advisors in their lives. Um, but our goal is to prepare them to be um, listening to the, to God through his word and making decisions based on that with less and less of our involvement as they get older. So this is about their faith, the faith that will carry them through life. It's about having them having the courage to, to stand on what they believe, what God tells them in, in his word. So that's the first thing. Our children demonstrate commitment to biblical principles. This is the goal we're, we're trying to cultivate in them. And then secondly, that our children demonstrate this is a this is a huge one. We could do a whole lesson on this one, I think. Our children demonstrate moral, emotional, intellectual, social, and physical maturity so that they can manage life outside the household. This is this is right here. If you want to know what are what are my marching orders with my kid, take those characteristics out and think about what is it going to take to get them to mature in these areas. And these are these are the milestones you want to think about. So moral, emotional, intellectual, intellectual, social, and physical. And I think uh, when it comes to moral, I think implied in here in the terms that Betsy uses is is spiritual. Um, their spiritual development. Maybe spiritual might actually encompass a, encompass a few of these. Um, but what you're looking for is maturity. So that they're able to manage life outside of your house without your constant oversight. And so think of age-appropriate situations. Um, this can start very early. Um, you can you can do this 
in small ways, and this is something maybe to, to keep in mind, Pastor Rich, as we go to the discussion time, this might be a, a, a good discussion point as you talk about the three questions there. What are age-appropriate ways with the children we have represented in our groups that this can be done? You know, we don't throw young adults into impossible situations and expect them to just sink or swim. Um, but as they become young adults, there's going to be a lot more decision-making they do on their own, hopefully uh, most of it. Um, you don't throw your, you know, you don't get your junior higher credit card and say, all right, just pay that bill every month. You know, it's, we recognize that would be totally absurd. That's the kind of thing you want to avoid doing, um, you know, absurd things like that, or even, even uh, things that are may not be as obvious, but you want to think about at this stage of development for my child, what are some ways that I can uh, observe, give them an opportunity to demonstrate some independence from me in this area and allow them to try to do their own decision-making or grapple with this issue, whether it's a relational issue or an interpersonal uh, struggle they're having or figuring out problem-solving an issue uh, at home or at school. So those are things to watch for. So work with them. Give them responsibilities that they can handle. Give them more responsibilities and privileges when they demonstrate that they can handle them. Um, Financial-wise, when our girls were in high school, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, we got debit cards for the girls, and we um, gave them a small allowance. Every time we were paid, they got a small allowance, and we still paid for their, you know, their meals and clothes and all the things you would normally pay for as parents, but um, extracurricular things, things they just wanted to go do with friends, they, this was their budget. And the goal was to not constantly have them coming saying, mom, dad, can I have money for this thing, that unplanned thing that I want to do, but to get them to think about, okay, I can't do everything. Let me prioritize and try to budget my money. And, you know, we had varying levels of, of success with that at different times, but that was an exercise as an example that we tried to do with the girls when they were in high school to help them learn uh, financial uh, decision-making, you know, so there's some emotional in there, there's some social, some intellectual all involved in there. And we have to be willing to let them learn by making mistakes with our guidance. So um, they will only be in your household for so long. And if the first time they start, they have to face consequences of mistakes of their own decisions is when they're outside of your household, we have put them in a very dangerous situation. We want to allow them to experience this when we're there to help them through it if things go bad. Uh, and then the, the third thing, <clears throat> when they didn't demonstrate the ability to financially support themselves. And uh, we want to raise them in such a way that they're not financially dependent upon mom and dad. And, <laughs> you know, any of you with older children say amen. And uh, but this is and this is something that you would think goes without saying, but just Take a look around our society at the commonality of folks in their 20s and 30s living with parents and not in order to take care of their parents. Um, there is a, there's a severe problem in our culture of extended adolescence, and this is a key component, teaching our kids um, to be responsible with the treasure, uh, with the financial resources, uh, material wealth that God entrusts to our family and to them is very important. And it will be key in their ability to live independently of mom and dad 
and to learn to live a life that's submitted to God out on their own. And um, got another point here, but I think I think I just covered it basically. So quick review: um, three common mistakes, basically summed up starting too early or starting too late or being inconsistent, basically summed up in this, be intentional as you use discipline and exercise your authority with your children. Remember that it's not automatic. They're not going to just learn it. You have to be willing to do the work to teach them this. And it's critically important uh, that our children learn to respect authority uh, because they will, they will not respect God's authority in their life if they don't begin as children respecting their parents' authority in their life. Uh, dads, you're responsible for ensuring they learn to respect authority. And as much as it lies in you, you can't decide for your children. So it's possible for you to do all you can do when a child is still rebel, but it's your job, dads, to see that uh, kids are walking down this path, that we're pushing them toward that. And the goal is for them to live independent of us, and independence on God. All right.